When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Manning back, steps up, heaves one down the middle of the field, into the end zone, and Nix makes the catch for the touchdown! He went up with the big hands and caught it on the Hail Mary! And the final play of the half! When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. To do to save his life, call his wife in 404. Good morning, everyone. How's your Wednesday going so far? Get up. Let's go. Only one hour left to talk to me. Come on. What else are you doing? Sleeping? Who, who needs it? I'm telling you, I'm doing just fine without it. No biggie. 877-337-6666. And I'm not sure Brian Cashman got any sleep recently. I think he's just been sitting in a corner drinking black coffee, waiting for his press conference. You probably go to Brian Cashman's house right now in the corner of his bedroom is like all markings, just counting the days until Hal decides to speak and that he's allowed at the media to tell him what he thinks about them and what he thinks about the fan base because Brian Cashman was, was angry, my friends. Brian Cashman had no interest and taking L's or giving apologies. Brian Cashman was out to defend himself against you mere mortals who have no idea what it's like to run a Death Star. have no idea what it's like to run an operation that does nothing but win for 25 years. You have no idea. Stubs his toe once and you dare question him? That's how Brian Cashman treated it today. It was interesting. That was some press conference Brian Cashman gave today, boy. Well, first it started with Hal, who was the exact opposite. Hal was about as least, as about less interesting as anything I've ever freaking seen. He said nothing. They are so bad at PR. You think the Yankees struggle at building a roster? You think the Yankees right now have a bad baseball team? You think the Yankees aren't good at analytics or anything else? The Yankees are as bad at PR as anything they do. They had a miserable freaking day. Just a miserable day, making the fan base hate them more. And it started at 12 o'clock when the owner decided to have a Zoom call. And I guess this all is now starting because it's the GM meetings. But Hal gets on at 12 o'clock and says absolutely nothing. They haven't, it's been a month since this miserable season ended. It's been a month since the worst year in the last 30 ended. He's had a month. To put his thoughts together after talking about the meetings they had, the eight-hour meetings, they were never-ending. And I told everyone to check their ego at the door. And we had uncomfortable conversations, and we discussed it all. We did all the different—we went through all the permeations. We went through every single aspect. And I said, be be respectful, of course, but I want you to be critical of each other. And we had these long drag-out, knock-them-out. We ordered Chinese. We stayed in. We were just, oh, man, we was just back and forth. These meetings were great. They were great. And then he comes out, and he says, well, what came from the meetings? Well, I'm not going to tell you. Nothing. What's going to change? We, we got to have change. We got to have all this change. I've been talking to Judge. We, we understand things need to change. Well, what's going to change? Oh, nothing. I don't want to talk about it. No, no, no. What's going to change? I, I, I'll, I'll give you one example. All right, all right, all right. You pull my leg. You make me tell you something. Okay, okay, okay. okay. I'll give you one example. We're going to bump more. 
That's the example and the only specific that the owner gave the franchise that is dying for something to hold on to in how this lineup can change and how things can be different for this team moving forward. And and we know they're auditing themselves or whatever they're doing. They're pretty much following another organization that does analytics around for a year and trying to say, let's see how their year goes and we'll compare it to how our year goes. And if their year's better, we'll start doing their stuff. Like, that's literally what they're going to do with the audit. So that's absolutely a nothing burger. It means absolutely nothing. But we're dying for change, and he's talked about how they need a change, and the year's unacceptable. At least he, he gave you a couple quotes you feel good about. It's it's a disaster. It's unacceptable. You know, having an, uh, a winning season isn't a uh, an accomplishment. It's a it's a requirement. I mean, that was a good line. He, uh, you know, the, the season was unacceptable. We didn't win. We didn't make the playoffs. The fans got nowhere closer to where we need them to be. Like, just, you know, he, he made it seem, okay, he's unhappy. I get it. But when it comes to change, he said absolutely nothing. He gave no specifics. He came into this meeting a month after the season ended with no concept of anything. No one's getting fired. You know that. You knew going in, Boone and Cash weren't going to get fired. He tells you, well, the first question I asked was about Aaron Boone and whether or not he should be the manager. And I talked to everybody. I mean, I, I searched high and low. I talked to Nick Swisher. I talked to Andy Pettit. To me, that's the only bit of good PR he did was, hey, I talked to Andy Pettit about Boone. You don't like the decision? Go talk to our beloved Andy Pettit because he said I should keep him. I was ready to fire him. Then I talked to Andy, and he said, no, 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 you keep him. So go talk to Andy Pettit. That was about the only good PR he did because now he's got you. You got you have to question one of your beloved Yankees if you want to go against the decision to keep Aaron Boone. But no specifics, nothing on how they're going to change what they do. Nothing on some of the examples on how they're going to relook how they do hitting or you know relook uh, um, launch angle or or anything about what they're going to do with anything. The only thing he gives you is they might bunt more. Which, by the way, you all might laugh out now, and it gives the uh, a reason for the haters to to make jokes and the 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 Bronx bunters and all the stuff that comes with it. But all of you want more bunting. You know how many calls I've taken about small ball and bunting and how the Yankees don't do fundamentals. And he comes out and he thinks he has some sort of winning argument. He thinks he's going to pull this out of his back pocket. You want an example? All right, I'll give you one example. Here's one you'll like. We're going to bunt more. And he thinks that's going to somehow appease the fans who've been clamoring for for small ball. He's so he's probably so baffled by the reaction to that. He's talking to a PR guy right now. You told me small ball would play. You told me small ball would play. Because when the only thing, when the team is clamoring for reasons on why the team was a failure and how it's going to do things better to get better, you can't, the only example you can't give is bunting. We would like it. A lot of the fan base would like it if it was one of five or six things. If it was, hey, we're working on launch angle. We're looking at some of the different numbers we're looking at. I think, you know, overall we've, um, even if it's not like just overall, we I think we've taken strikeouts too lightly. We're going to work on really making sure we put the ball in play. We're going to make sure this, you know, we've been looking at this number, looking at that. We're going to try and in this new age of the extra inning rule where, you know, you have the runner on second base. We're going to look into bunting more, and I think we've kind of gotten away from the fundamentals and teaching bunting, so that's something we'll improve on. Like, if it's one of a myriad of things he came out and said, we're, we're looking to do this, we'd all approve. We're like, yeah, you know, I mean, I remember remember that game against Baltimore in extra innings. They couldn't even lay down a bunt. They should learn how to bunt more. But when it's the only thing you give a starving fan base for change, it sounds idiotic. 
So that was the that was the the how start of our day, where he just said nothing and made it feel like, oh my god, like they don't get it. They're not firing anyone. And the one thing they're focused on is bunting. And and since the season ended, he's talked about changing two things. He's talked about changing the the uh, dining area in the clubhouse and maybe putting in some nap rooms and now bunting. Those are the two things after the worst year in 30 years that are going to change, or at least that are publicly spoken about. That's unacceptable. It's stupid. It's given everyone a reason to mock and laugh and make fun of the Yankees. So the first part of our day was ineptitude and stupidity and bad PR, and then the next part of our day was getting yelled at at 5 o'clock. Because I don't know if he understands while he's yelling at Joel Sherman and while he's yelling at the media and while he's F-bombing and BSing his way through a press conference, he's showing his unhappiness with you. And believe me, I get into a lot of trouble because I agree with him in many ways about your unhappiness, and I think it's unfair in many different things. And a lot of the things he said, in some ways, I agree with. A lot of the things he said were completely asinine. But the manner in which he went about saying them was really interesting. And I was surprised by it because he should know better than to be that angry defensive guy off of this season. We've seen defensive Cashman before. In fact, it's the most common end-of-season Cashman we have, where it's our processes are good, you know, we've won 99 games and we're in the ALCS. Playoffs are a crapshoot, which was reinforced again this season. Um, but, you know, ultimately it's with a a press conference that happens two days after losing and he's he's a bit much maligned. But the Brian Cashman that spoke in the media today is a Cashman that's had enough. That's a Brian Cashman who is looked at by the rest of his peers and people he respects inside baseball as being the guy who always makes the playoffs, who has this run of winning seasons that other people admire. You talk to Billy Bean. You talk to the DePoto out in Seattle. You talk to different general managers throughout baseball. They don't believe it's as easy to spend Hal Steinbrenner's money and guarantee playoffs. They think what the Yankees have accomplished over the last 25 years in Cashman's uh, tenure is quite remarkable. And so he is the kind of guy who's like, wait a minute. Everyone I talk to, I mean, Omar Minaya hires. Ask Omar Minaya what kind of job Brian Cashman's done as a general manager. Omar Minaya is a respected baseball man. Ask him. I'm telling you right now, the thought around baseball is Brian Cashman's one hell of an executive on his way to the Hall of Fame. But the fans think he's a boob. And the fans think this team has been run like a dumpster fire. And Brian Cashman had enough. And for whatever reason, coming off the worst year the Yankees have had in 30 years, Brian Cashman decided to tell you to yesterday that he's had enough of this. And I don't know why. I don't know why. Because some of the arguments he made, whether I agree with them or not, whether you want to trade, and this one's for Gio if he's listening, whether you want to talk about the Sonny Gray trade or whatever, you know, other different trades and different maturations and other things like that I could possibly get behind. Like, I... I agree with the idea that he brought up with the Joey Gallo trade and the Montas trade that, hey, we're chasing championships. Would you rather have me sit on my laurels? We needed a power-hitting left-handed hitter. That's what that team desperately needed. We were lacking. Whether or not it's his fault that team was lacking it at the moment 
is up for debate, but that's what the team needed. And he's on pace to hit 45 home runs that year for Texas, so he took a chance, even if he wasn't sure he was a New York guy. Or Montas, they needed a starting pitcher. They they had the best record in baseball. They're going for a World Series. All right, maybe the medicals aren't great, but the doctors are saying he can make it through the year, that he won't need surgery, that he can pitch. So they take a chance because they're chasing it. I kind of agree with that sentiment. I understand that could get him in trouble where other general managers wouldn't take that chance and don't need to chase it the way the Yankees chase it. But yesterday was not the day for it, Cash. Like yesterday was a day to just take your L's, understand the season was a disaster, allow yourself to get beat up a little bit because most people think you're lucky to still have a job and just go about talking about moving forward instead of defending the Sonny Gray and uh, Joey Gallo trades with all of your being throwing F-bombs and BSs all around, just say we need to do better. We're talking about how we can get better on our processes and we're moving forward and this offseason is a big one for us. That's it. I know you're asked direct questions, but trying to defend your analytics and and he he pulls the same thing that Steinbrenner pulls, thinking he has a great answer in his back pocket with, do you know? And then he gets all sarcastic, and he gets, you know, asking rhetorical questions like, would it surprise you to learn that we have the smallest analytical department in all of the American League East? I bet you, would, I bet you, wouldn't, uh, un, I bet you wouldn't have guessed that one. Or how about the fact that we have the largest professional scouting department? I bet you that would surprise all of you here. Do you think that's a winning argument? Do you think that's what the fan base wants to hear? You're trying to defend the idea that you're all run through analytics, that the fan base is just everything's analytics, which I agree. The fan base is stupid sometimes about that. Every decision's analytic. Anytime the Yankees do something you don't like, it's all there's the analytics again. I agree with you. But what the hell are you what are you trying to accomplish? By saying by saying what? That we're our mistakes aren't analytical, they're just mistakes. At the end of the day, you're trying to quantify where your mistakes come from. But it's about mistakes, Brian. Why are you spending all day trying to tell us where mistakes come from and trying to fight perception? Because you might have a difference in opinion between perception and reality, but the reality is you won 82 games last year. The reality is you didn't make the playoffs. The reality is you've been trending downward since 2019. The reality is your fan base is furious with you. Whether they're right in the ways they're furious with you or not, yesterday wasn't the day for it. It just made no sense to me the way he decided to go about it. I kind of respect him. I have to admit, you know, I'm a bit of a cashman guy. I think some of the heat he gets is ridiculous. I also think it's time to move on. I think it's just time because he's clearly frustrated. The Yankees aren't winning. Sometimes it's just best to move on, even if I don't think that he's a moron, even if I don't think their Yankees are incapable of performing if he stays. Like, I still think he's capable of building a team. I I don't think the Yankees are doomed as long as Brian Cashman's here. But at the same time, sometimes it's just it's it's better to just clean the slate. It's not working the last handful of years. It's just not. And to in, instead of just accepting that and, you know, maybe having a discussion or two on certain things because you are getting direct questions about your process, but instead of having vitriol and trying to attack the bitterness of the fan base with your own bitterness, 
just take the L's, move on, and talk about how you're going to produce this season. Because that's all anyone cares about. This all goes in the garbage. No one, if the Yankees win the World Series, no one cares. If the Yankees win, this isn't going to be held against them. If he loses, it might be added to it. But, like, taking on the fans is just never a good idea. It's never a good idea. And especially when they have every right to be mad at you. Especially when it's just been the worst season ever. Like, it's literally the worst season of your 25-year career here. And this is when you decide to get all pissy? Literally arguing about perception of analytics to the point where you're calling it BS and, and cursing and like for what? I, I I just I don't understand it. We have the smallest. You shouldn't have the smallest analytical department in the American League East. You shouldn't. You should have the biggest and the best. That's the problem. The problem is you're 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 not using those numbers in the correct way. A caller earlier today put it perfectly. Analytics will always give you the answer. Analytics is a numbers game. Numbers always have the answer. It's what questions are you asking? And the Yankees are asking the wrong questions. It doesn't matter how many offices they have at Yankee Stadium or in Tampa or how many people they employ in that department. It's who's leading it, who's asking the questions, and are they asking the right questions? That's what it's about. So stop standing there telling me, well, we have the smallest. Not everything's analytically driven. Fine, whatever. Whatever part is, ain't doing the job. So get off your high horse. Stop acting like you're better than we are and we're stupid to question you. And go out there and build a winner. That's it. Figure it out. And I'm hoping the positive guy in me and someone who doesn't, and I think Yankee fans should still be positive. I know I'm, I'm alone in that sentiment. I, but I'm, I'm sorry. It's just hard for me to look around. Like, take a second. Whatever you're doing. What are you, <clears throat> are you driving? You're just making coffee? Whatever you're doing right now. Take a second. <sighs> take a deep breath. Take a look around the landscape of the New York sports scene. Take a look at the Giants, who are now 2-7. and seven. And have been at the bottom of the NFL for seven, eight, nine, nine years with a year or two mixed in where they weren't so awful. And yet here we are again rooting for losses so they can tank and get a better position at the, uh, in the draft so they can go draft a quarterback because Daniel Jones is a failure. And this is the same thing that's been going on for eight, nine years. Look at the Jets. It's the longest playoff drought in professional sports. They have a quarterback dragging down a team that otherwise would be Super Bowl caliber. And they have a coach who absolutely knows better but still won't do it because probably from up on high he's told he's got to play the quarterback. And so the team just drags to the bottom of the ocean when it could be surfing. How about the Mets have the highest payroll in baseball today? We're all excited because they're building a casino. But ultimately that highest payroll in baseball landed them where? Trading away their, their, their best players for prospects because the season was over in July. Where else should we turn? Should we even bother with the Knicks? My point is, as much as we hate Brian Cashman, and as dumb as he was in this press conference, I don't buy that he's incapable of building a winner, and he needs to. And if anybody deserves the benefit of the doubt, I'm willing to give it to him, as frustrated as I am. And I'm hoping that overall, this press conference and the way he spoke leads to 
a big-time offseason because how can you talk like this and then do nothing? How can you be so braggadocious? And how could you be so, you know, forthright with your with your language and with your tone and then sit back and do nothing and not spend any money? Now, I know that's the Hal Steinbrenner department, but, like, it just makes me think, like, Hal had to have seen this, and Hal's going to hear the reaction to that press conference and how Brian Cashman acted. Like, you can't talk to the fans that way and then not give them anything. So I'm hoping he knows that he's got something in his back pocket, like, obviously, Bellinger, Yamamoto, never mind Soto or Otani, something where the Yankees turn this thing around. Because we can, we've been spending all mo- morning talking about the different things he said and he shouldn't have said this, and how do you say that? No, listen to this quote. Oh, none of it means anything. None of it means anything if you can't build the team. And right now, I don't know how whatever hot seat he's on, it didn't get hotter after that press conference because he scolded the Yankee fan base. That's what he did. He waited a month, went to the GM meetings, put on a nice pink polo, and then scolded the Yankee fan base. And we'll see how it does for him. I'm hoping it leads to a big offseason. Whether it's the nothing you got from Steinbrenner or it's the vitriol and anger you got from Boone, uh, from Cashman, I'm hoping it leads to both of them realizing they have to do something this offseason. When this happened, you talked about it on The Fan. I look forward, as, uh, as Bill Belichick said in, in his uh, address to the media, to a very, very long-term commitment on my part, and Bill and I will work in concert. And... Um, we look forward to trying to put a program in place that uh, that can be successful. I think everyone that knows me knows that I've uh, that's my home, that's where my family is, that's where my uh, my life is unfolded, and I'm very very happy to be back and and part of the organization with the Jets. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan 1019 FM and always live on the Free Odyssey app. All right, 4.30. How we doing? If you're a Yankee fan, you're probably pissed off on some level today. That's kind of how it went. It was the, they just said, let's, you know what? We haven't spoken in a while. Let's get together and piss everybody off. We'll say nothing at 12, and then we'll yell at them at 5. It's perfect. Amazing. 877-337-6666. The other story we focused on this morning is Robert Sala. The Jets head coach dealing with the idea of having a roster and having no quarterback, which was evident Monday night as they got throttled by the Chargers in a game that they tried to play a certain way. They have a formula. They have a template, as I like to say, and how to win football games. They discovered that template, I believe, in Denver. It's really where they first put it together. It's not very complicated. It's been a template used throughout history. Run the football, play excellent defense, be good special teams, do everything right, don't turn the ball over, win the turnover battle, don't make a mistake offensively, and hopefully Garrett Wilson or Brees Hall will make a play or two, and you'll figure out a way to win the game. And if your defense can, you know, with a lead, lean on the other team, that's how good your defense is. You'll win the game that way. And that's how the Jets have tried to play. But the problem with that template is everything needs to be perfect because the quarterback sucks. 
and still today, talking to the media, the coach continues to say the nonsense that we all know is nonsense. That he's sticking with the quarterback. If it were just the when asked if he would make a change, if it were just the quarterback, hey, then yeah. It is just the quarterback. All right? I mean, sure, is the offensive line not great? Fine. Right? Is the secondary weapons, especially in the passing game, outside of uh, Garrett Wilson, not very good as Lazard, nothing but a, a, a drop machine and a, and a penalty maker? Yeah. That's kind of what he's become here. He's been an absolute bust. But you watch the games. The quarterback is incapable of making the offense go. And I don't care if it's Tim Boyle. I don't care if it's uh, Simeon. I don't care who it is. You have to give a chance. Now, I'm okay with not even starting the game necessarily, but at some point in the game, once it's realized that the offense isn't working, you have to be willing to make the change. It can't be Zach Wilson ride or die. And yet that's where this coach seems to be. He continually seems to be this way. When last year he benched him for Mike White. And the whole team celebrated. They all had shirts made. Like they were going to, uh, you know, Uncle Ted's 50th birthday cruise. Did you get your shirt made? Don't forget your Uncle Ted happy birthday shirt. They were so excited Mike White was there. And then you're forced to go to him because Mike White gets injured and he's brutally bad yet again. And that leads you into doing everything you can to get a Hall of Fame 38-year-old Quarterback that your team openly tries to recruit publicly on social media. And then when he goes down, you tell me everyone's behind Zach. We know that this team is furious that Zach is the quarterback. We understand this defense that knows maybe not the 85 Bears, but a legitimately good defense that's capable of being a Super Bowl caliber team is watching this quarterback drag the team down. And yet there's the coach week after week talking about progression, and he's a different guy, and it's not just him. And it just sounds like I don't understand why you're going down with this ship until later in the day he does a radio interview and is asked a direct question about, hey, everything I just said. You got Mike White last year. You're, you've got uh, Simeon and Boyle. You've got something. The quarterback continues not to play well. It's the same guy you didn't trust last year. Now you're forced with him this year. He's losing you games. Why not make a decision? Why not go to a different quarterback? Why not make a move? And the coach's response is, uh, you know, that's a that's a good question. I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. One, two, three, four, fifth. Pleading the fifth means I shall not incriminate myself. Which means he's answering to someone. He doesn't want to piss somebody off by saying the answer is that I'm being told to play the quarterback. That's sure what it comes off like. Because I can't explain anything else. I have no other explanation of why this quarterback somehow continues to get played, the coach continues to play him, and then when really pressed on it, when not in just the form of a press conference but a radio interview, he literally has no answer and says, I plead the fifth. Good question. I plead the fifth. And whoever it is on high, whoever it is up on high that decides that this this quarterback needs to play, whether it's the GM who drafted him, whether it's the owner who believes in him or, you know, has – some sort of feeling towards them, or whatever the case may be, they need to look at themselves in the mirror. Because the rest of this roster that that GM built is good enough to win. And if there is a prayer, and I do think it's it's highly unlikely, but yet again, Rodgers is talking to Pat McAfee. Obviously, at the end of the game, the Derwin James Monday night, 
He's on a mic saying, give me a few weeks when Derwin James says, we need to see out there. He says, give me a few weeks. It sounded tongue-in-cheek. He confirmed it's tongue-in-cheek in in the interview. But he talked about, you know, the idea of it still, you know, possibly being. They they got into all different, you know, Terms for for length of time. It was a it was a weird interview. But anyway, a couple fortnights, and a fortnight is two weeks. I don't know. Maybe he'll be back week fifteen, sixteen. Maybe it's a pipe dream. Maybe it's possible. But you better friggin' figure out a way to make sure if that pipe dream, if that miracle happens, that you're ready to accept it. Nothing worse than a miracle you can't claim. And this team is on the verge. This is a huge game against the Raiders. A huge game. As they head into, they head against Buffalo and Miami the next two weeks. And Buffalo's pissed off at them, although Buffalo's banged up defensively and not the same quite team. You know they want revenge on the Jets. And Miami's offense, although not really dynamic against good defenses, and that's exactly what the Jets have, is still a powerhouse offensively and can put up points real quick. And the Jets are unable to keep up, unable to keep up. So this is a huge game against the Raiders that you have to win and you have to give your chance to win this game and you have to give your team a chance to be there in the end for a chance to bring Rodgers back if that's even possible. So Jets better realize what the hell is going on and better figure out that this kid doesn't can't play. And I don't know I don't know if Tim Boyle can or Simeon can, but you have to find out. You just have to. You can't just wallow away and blow this season on a quarterback you know for sure can't play because we they're going to play the Raiders, right? And the Raiders just got this boost from firing their coach. I'm telling you, I don't care who the quarterback is. The team will get a boost from playing someone else. The team will get a boost from playing someone else. 877-337-6666. Your call is the rest of the way, Peter in Oakland. What's up, Pete? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Thank you for making it. Uh, just on the Brian Cashman, uh, mm. I, I'm not sure how you want to trust him to build this team. He's done. I mean, he, he's, he's history. He hasn't done anything in the last, what, five, six years. Every move that he's made has been horrible. But for the last, the only, for the last three years, almost every move he's made has been pretty freaking bad. Yep. I it's agree been terrible. You. Terrible. Mm-hmm. And not only that, I'm not sure if he's responsible for the minor leagues or not, but they don't have anything in the minor leagues. This guy, Dominguez, yeah, maybe. Yeah. No, but I did, Other well, than that, there's nothing in the minors. No, you see, now I, I, I disagree with you. There, there are, um, Jones, there's a, there's a couple of prospects in the minors. They haven't come up and played well yet. Volpe just had one year. He won the gold glove. You got to give him a, he didn't really have much no, of a Vol- triple A. Volpe, Volpe, uh, I'll give you, I'll well, give that's you, what I'm saying. I'll... The minor league system actually changed in 2018 when they hired Dylan Lawson, the hitting coach they just fired. And he ah. just, if you look at the numbers, their offense in the minor leagues is far better than it's been in a long time. The Yankees haven't developed anyone in a long freaking time. I'll give you that. It's like Robinson, Cano, and Judge, and then you got to go back to the core four. So for a long that's, that's, time, that's correct. The that's long, correct. the a long time, the Yankees haven't developed anybody. They changed yeah. their the way they go about it in 2018. And if you look at their numbers in the minor league system since 2018. They're top of the league in contact. They're top of the league in strikeout rate in a good way, not the negative way. They're, they they score more runs than almost any other team in, in the minor league system. They have won. Their teams have been more successful in the minor league system than ever before. Like, they did make changes, and it seems, if you talk to analytical guys other than, you know, one minor league player who's pissed off about it, like, if you talk to minor league uh, exec, uh, you know, scouts and people who deal with it, the Yankees have done a very nice job uh, developing – 
overall hitting throughout the system much better than they have before. The problem is no one's really had a chance to come up and prove it. It's Volpe well, and, well, and Cabrera. Well, like, that's it. it. Well, the time is now coming. It changed yeah, but, in 2018. Well, we, we're going to have to see that because it hasn't translated yet. Oh, right? no, no, it has so not. It doesn't, hasn't, it doesn't, the fact that you can have all that, all that hitting and all those stats in the minor league and all that analytics doesn't mean it's going to translate to the major leagues. Of course not. Big, big difference. With, no, you know, of course. Step uh, up to, to that next level. Totally agree. And guys, and certainly guys have come up. Uh, you know, De La Cruz and different guys have come up. O'Neill Cruz for Pittsburgh. Different guys have come up and right away played great. And the Yankees had a guy who came up and won the gold glove, but ultimately Volpe was a bit of a disappointment, certainly offensively. But he really didn't have any time at AAA. We'll see what he develops into. We'll see. But you got to give the Yankees really haven't had an opportunity to to bring guys up. We'll see. Dominguez came up and hit. We'll see what Peraza is. Uh, you know, some of the guys, Pereira, Cabrera didn't really have a good second year. We're going to see what I think Wells is going to have a chance to possibly be a legitimate platoon catcher who plays most of the games. I don't know if they just hand him the starting job, but he's somebody who could who could uh, get a lot of playing time. I think they're going to go young in many spots and then hopefully spend money in others. I'm hoping they spend money in left field. I'm hoping they bring in Juan Soto and then they'll go young and trade away Gleyber Torres and go young up the middle uh, at second and short with Peraza and Volpe. They can go young at catcher. You know, they can go uh, young in a different a bunch of areas to save money and not put a lot of money into the team that way. They'll have King in the rotation, not a lot of money. I mean, the, the you know, do things like that and then add at the top level because they need to spend to change this lineup dramatically. But again, Brian Cashman has made a bunch of moves the last three years. The three years before that, I thought he was great. The three years before that, whether it's Didi Gregorius trade or whether it's getting rid of the the aging veterans and bringing in prospects, and then the baby bombers came up. Like he went from an old rickety 2016 group with Alex Rodriguez on on the tail end of his career to suddenly back into the ALCS with a young group with a, that looked like we were ready to take off, and it hasn't happened. And in 2019, they're good enough to win. They just don't. They go out and they steal. They poach away. Uh, Cole from the Houston Astros and bring him here didn't work out. And since 2020, really, 21 was an ugly season. The second half of last year was was terrible, and the trade deadline was atrocious. And then everything he touched last year was garbage. So I totally agree. And again, I, it's not like I'm I'm not banging the table saying Cashman's great. Everything that he, uh, he'll be fine. I expect him to build this team back. I'm saying they're going with him. I would fire him. I would clean house. And redo this whole thing because it just feels like there's enough just negative energy around the whole thing. And he's had a bad three years. I'm willing to move on. It's what probably should happen. They're not going to. So now once I'm presented with that fact that he's going to be here, do I think that he's incapable? Do I think that the last three years will be his next three years or he'll never have a good move again? No, I don't necessarily think that. I don't. And I do think the minor leagues are trending in the right direction. And some of the kids hopefully will come up and play. And hopefully they realize, and Steinbrenner realizes, you got to go out there and spend money this year. You have to. And you can you can spout that you don't need to have a $300 million payroll to win. You, you, you clearly don't. I don't believe any team has ever won with a $300 million payroll. But maybe this team does, considering Stanton and all the other contracts and Rodon and all the other money put into bad places. Maybe this team does. And you can get back to that philosophy in three years or whatever and figure it out. But you don't have the opportunity to just wait. Like, you have to go out there and do it now. This fan base is pissed off. Like, this team might need to be a $300-plus million payroll if it wants to win.
And that's all I care about. That's all anybody cares about is 2024. 877-337-6666. Mitchell, I see your call. We'll get to the Jets stuff. I, I gave you my take on this quarterback situation. I don't understand it. It's coming from on high. That's the only explanation. And and Cashman was in rare form. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Our goal for next year, I got news for you. It won't change, and it'll never change. We're going to chase that Super Bowl. We're going we're gonna to chase it until we get it, and then we'll chase it after that again. But that's it. If people want to criticize us, then you go ahead, but you really got no right. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. All right. So, you know, I'm, tomorrow's uh, the last day of the week for me. I'm off on uh, Friday. I'm heading to Vegas for, I guess, my pseudo uh, 40th birthday. My birthday's in December, but we're going with my sister-in-law. It's her birthday. It just seemed like a better time to go uh, when we booked it back in uh, March. And I wish I would have known something when I booked it in March that I don't, that I'm aware of. Apparently, only me. I swear to God. So I'm going to Vegas. Are you aware that there's an 38,000 culinary union worker strike currently happening in Vegas right now affecting 18 casinos and that they set a deadline for Friday that if a deal isn't met they're going on strike I'm going to go I'm going to go to Vegas I'm not going to have anywhere to eat I have no one to serve me I'm going to have to make my own drinks I'm going to have to go down to a uh, a gas station and buy a six pack and just walk the strip and look for fast food I don't know I I can't imagine what are the odds I want to go to Vegas and it's right as they're going to have a a culinary workers union strike. I mean, <laughs> can't make it up. Um, hopefully, I'm just assuming that it's too much money and too much going on in Vegas right now that they'll let it happen. You got the Jets coming in there. I know I haven't really talked to BT. I don't know. Maybe I'll try and see if I can. I don't know when he's getting there. I'm I'm leaving Sunday. So I don't know if um I'll, I'll get a chance to see him, but I don't know if he's aware of this union strike either. So you got the Jet game, and then next week, they're actually doing Formula One racing on the Strip. It's going to be like this huge event. I mean, thousands and thousands and thousands of people are going down to Vegas for this this big auto race, Formula One. I, I just think there's too much money to have a strike and not have people waiting tables and serving and cooking and whatever else. Like I just can't imagine that. So hopefully they figure this out. Because I really don't want to go down there and then be told all my relatives, we don't have enough staff to, I I don't know how it works. I don't know what they do. I don't know if it necessarily means the restaurants would close or it just means I could expect to just wait an hour and a half, you know, for for bread on the table and then three hours for dinner. Like, I, I don't know what to expect, but someone sent me that just as I'm getting ready to go to Vegas. Are you aware that they're, uh, oh no, Ralphie with Ralphie and out of bridge. What's up, Ralphie? Hey, you know, I appreciate you taking my call. I just felt compelled to call. Yeah. I had booked a couple of months ago. I was supposed to be on the 7 o'clock flight out of Newark yeah. uh, going to Vegas for four days. I just completely washed the whole thing. Oh, I had jet tickets. Oh. I was going to stay at the Aria for four nights. I mean, and plus the Formula One. I don't know if you know about that. Yeah, I was just, you must have been getting the, your phone call screened. I was talking about it. They're, they're, yeah, they're setting up the Formula One. The yeah. trip's going to be closed. It, it's going to be ugly. So I just blew off the whole thing. You know what? 
I could watch the Jets lose to the Raiders on my couch on Sunday. Have a great weekend. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. That's a bummer. <laughs> Nothing works. I swear to God. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have none, right? I mean, uh, unbelievable. Now there's going to be a union strike. He's telling me the whole strip is under Better to get that call wrapping up the show today than tomorrow. You got 24 hours to I know. Recover. I got 24 hours to kind of feel better about it. I mean, what an unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, Mitchell and Fort Lee, tell me something good, Mitch. I'll give you a few things, Big Mac. First of all, as I was told from my friend, the race is not until two weeks from now, so the, the streets won't be crazy. That's what my friend told me because he's going to it. Okay. Number two, Big Mac, when you get there on Friday, there will be plenty of food. You'll be able to have fine cuisine. You'll be able to have good cocktails, win some money. And when you go there, Big Mac, you got to go to Beesham. It's a the new hotel there. They have a screen where it's about 240 feet. There's outdoor pools and everything. You should book it. They book every weekend up completely. You'll have a great time. What's there. the name of the place again? It's Vizen. It's a. It, just Google it. Uh, it's Vizen. It's a. Uh, I forget the name of the hotel, but it's it's a gambling site. They always say it's a new hotel there. It's called VSI VSIM Vizen. Okay, I'll look into it. Thank you, buddy. Okay. Okay, okay, get now to the two things. I tried to call last night, yeah. but you were busy. So we'll go to the Jets really fast, but really the Yankees is what I want to call about. Sure. The Jets are a complete joke. I sat there on Monday night, and everyone in the stands were screaming the whole time. They knew exactly what was going to play was going to be done. They just, they're just horrible. And the worst thing about the Jets is they went to a quarterback last year. They benched Wilson because they said he's no good. He can't do it. Well, quote-unquote, our main man, Rogers, had a piece, too bad he got injured, would have been fine, but he got injured, so we bring Wilson in. He can't do anything. So the Jets organization does nothing to get another quarterback to save yep. the season, because maybe Rogers can come back at the end of the year and save us, but it doesn't happen. So that's the end of the Jets. Yeah, now, I agree. Let's get to the Yankees. Let's get to the Yankees really fast. You know what? Everyone wants to knock Cashman. And I, Big Mac, you know this. I've called this numerous times with you. I'm a big Cashman fan. I don't care what. What Cashman said yesterday, do you think the Yankee organization is going to tip their hands and say, well, we're going to do this, we're going to do this, we're no, going to do No, 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 I understand that. Yeah, but that's not right. it, it, that's not exactly. But Cash, it wasn't even, that wasn't what Cashman, Cashman really went off on this year. Like, yeah. Cashman went well, off on defending his, his processes, not necessarily on what they're going to do or tipping there. I agree with you. I didn't expect him to say, yeah, oh, yeah, you better, San Diego better get ready because I'm coming with a package to get Juan Soto they'll never be able to say no to. Like, I understand that he's going to be limited in what he actually talks about uh, moving forward. But when, I mean, the, but that's free agency period. Like, even the the owner can say a little bit about what they want to change moving forward. They've, they've talked so much about changing some of the things they do. Judge talking about changing some of the things they do. He's got to give me more than we, we talked about bunting. Like, if that's, right. if that's one of six or seven things, I, 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 okay, good. But it can't be the well, only but, thing. Right, but, 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 but here, here's the chase, that if any Yankee fan that complains, 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 we just dropped three starting pitchers. What do you think the Yankees didn't do, guys? You think they're just going to sit there and say, oh, you know what, we're going to worry for Gil to come back, who knows when, sometime during the year. we're going to put King into the starting line. You don't think the Yankees are going to go get two pitchers? You got any Yankee well, I mean, fan yeah, knows no, I, that they're, yeah, they're going to do that. They're going to do that. We all know they're going to go after a, a center fielder now because the main guys is hurt. Yes. And they all know that, he, and that everyone keeps on pushing Soto, Soto, Soto. Guess what? The Yankees, you, the 
Yankees are not just going to stand by this. If you think the big, the big picture that no one's talked about was one thing, Hal Steinbrenner's money. He made no money the second half of the year, made no money in the playoffs, and didn't get a championship. And he's had enough of it. So you know what? And everyone says it's Cashman. How do you know that Hal Steinbrenner didn't say to Cashman, I want to be underneath the 212 yeah. salary cap. We're not going to go past it. And do, do the best you can do. But listen, we're stuck with Rodriguez that, that he can't do anything right now. He's just uh, not right where he gets off. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, what's his name? John uh, Stanton. Stanton, right. Stanton is, is, a, is a hole that we can't get, get out of. And so if we try to get into someone else, he, can, he can't play the field because he gets injured every week. Right, right. Everyone wants. Every Yankee fan complains. The Yankees are going to turn this around. When Cashman did it three years ago when we didn't make the playoffs, he turned around in one year. I have faith in Cashman. There you go. A little faith in Cashman. I like it. I like it, Mitch. I mean, listen, I I agree with you. I mean, we don't know who's behind it. They they might have wanted to talk to. And I guess Boris even came out and said that they did actually talk to Boris about Harper. But that might have just been a non-starter from the owner. The owner might have just been said, no, I just gave you money for Stanton. Harper's out of the question. We don't know. Like, that falls at Cashman's feet, but we don't. You're right. We don't know that. But ultimately, he's the guy who makes, who builds the team. So he's going to get flack. He's going to get credit. That's just the, the way it works. But, like, I, it's not necessarily, like, in that press conference yesterday, you're right. I don't expect him to talk about how much money he's going to spend and who he's willing to uh go get or who's the top of the market. He talked about getting left-handed outfielders, left-handed hitting outfielders, which they desperately need. But he talked about, he talked about outfield last year and never did anything about it. Like all this talk is cheap. I don't care about what he said. You know, he's not going to say anything about next year. This was kind of like a, a re a rehash of last year and everything that went wrong because we haven't had a chance to speak to him since then. And he went there defiant and angry. He went there angry to yell at the media and to yell at you and to to have this perception versus reality argument that he's probably been having in his own head for a month as he listens to people like me and callers like you and shows like ours and shows like the morning show and the afternoon show. And everyone, you know, as as he's hearing all this stuff and reading all the articles, he's been having this argument in his head and showed up and decided to have it. Like, trades were mentioned, and he went right to Gallo and, and, and Sonny Gray because he thinks that's a winning argument for him, and boom. He, he was looking for a fight. And hopefully, that leads to a pissed-off Cashman and a pissed-off Steinbrenner that do exactly what Mitch just said and go spend money and put together a good team. I still have faith. But he acted like a little bit of a, an ass yesterday. But hey, hopefully it works out for him. That's it for me. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys. For calling. I appreciate it. I'll catch you tomorrow at 2 a.m. for a Thursday morning show. Everybody have a great Wednesday. Have a great rest of your day. Let's go, Yankees. Why not? I'll catch you tomorrow at 2 a.m. Sports Radio 1019 FM. FM. WFNU.